This is the new Blue Review with Benji Shulman. 101.9 High FM. I'm Benji Shulman. Welcome to the program on this Monday morning and welcome as well to Alistair Anderson. He is our culture and current affairs critic. Alistair, nice to have you back on the show. Morning, Benji. How are you? I am doing very, very well. Thank you. Now, we might have load shedding, but that doesn't interrupt the culture that is going on in our country at the moment. And I want to start off with an interesting pro, uh, interesting uh, issue here. The Woman King, which I have to say I hadn't heard of, is is has been filmed in the Western Cape. Tell us a little bit about this and about why it's significant that it's being filmed in the Western Cape. Obviously, Hollywood's trying to bring out original stories, not just a million remakes, a million Marvel films right now. You know, we, we, we kind of too many Top Gun Mavericks coming out, even though they're sweeping the box office. So The Women King is it's an upcoming American historical epic. So it's, it's made by Americans. It's directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood, who made a movie called Love and Basketball about the year 2000. It was a big breakthrough. Um, and essentially, you're looking at the kind of the best, I would say, African or black casting we've seen in years in a film. And it's it's based on... As you like a group of warriors, or call it a all-female military regiment, which defended a thing called the Kingdom of Dahomey back in the 1800s. And I suppose it's it's telling that story about actually there were very impressive African kingdoms, and you know colonialists have tried to kind of wipe that from history. Uh, and the cast has got like Viola Davis in it. It's got Lashana Lynch from James Bond. It's got John Boyega from Star Wars. It's got Sylvan Gezi, who's you know an actor and comedian based in Cape Town. And I suppose the significance of it being filmed in Cape Town is that Cape Town is trying to use, you know, its kind of space and create tourism and, you know, create foreign direct investment for the city. So what's happening is you'll have property owners that are, you know, battling to maybe rent out office space or industrial space, and they will now rent it to film crews. And that's what happened here with the Women King. So this was actually filmed in Cape Town, and the space was rented out by a company called Ingenuity. And... Uh, yeah, I was actually recently, I had an, you know, like an interview meeting with Ingenuity and my, my Property Flash guys, which is my new company. And yeah, they're just saying how they're finding creative ways of using space. And often uh, you'll find Americans just, or film productions, just pay way more than any t- typical tenant could. That's a, I mean, that's that's really interesting. In, in, in some ways, Alistair, it, it sounds to me like someone went and did a, a historical remake of of the sort of... Wakanda and the Black Panther, but actually went into the real thing. Yeah, I mean, essentially, this is based on the true story. I think we, you know, we're going to have to go and read around the subject. Um, I'd be shocked if a lot of people, you know, in SA even know this story. I think it's something that has kind of been unearthed recently, um, and we'll see how accurate the film is. But it's, I think it's just exciting. I think there's a bit of maybe a bit of legend around it, and I think that's that's endearing, that's attractive, that's cool. I think this will be good film for you know younger kids to even watch and sort of look up to idol you know idols that they maybe haven't been able to look up to before in film yeah it's very very interesting and i'm sure it's going to push for oscar but i think it's also just about being entertaining and as i say filmed in south africa itself um and that space is also going to be used for other things i heard there's a horror film they're going to film there and don't forget even redefine properties it's for example they filmed tomb raider a few years ago in, in a space in cape town so there are ways of making cash. They're always making returns in our country. They're always of generating tourism. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, very, very nice to see some a little bit of good news. When do we expect the film to be out? September 
16 is the release date in the States, and I'm pretty sure it's about the same as, say, maybe one week either way. Very, very interesting. Okay, so going from historical dramas to actual mythological beasts, uh, Thor is Thor 4 is, is out. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one to say. What can you tell us about it? Yeah, so Thor 4 came out on Friday. It's It's been mixed, met with incredibly mixed reviews. What, what's kind of universal about it is that they're saying that Christian Bale's performance as Gore the God Butcher is brilliant. There was even Oscar talk around it on one review I read. So he's a character whose family basically gets killed by gods and then he becomes, you know, like this villain that wants to destroy the gods. Obviously, it's directed by Taika Waititi, so you know, known as that kind of eccentric director, he did Jojo Rabbit, which was controversial. Um, he did Thor 3 Ragnarok, which is probably the best, one of the best Marvel movies ever. Yeah, and, and the whole idea here is that Thor has now lost his kind of mojo. Um, his ex-girlfriend becomes the new Thor, Jane Foster, and he also loses his hammer and then use another weapon. So, yeah, expect a whole lot of um, mixed tones, all kinds of characters, colorfulness, rock music, heavy metal, Chris Hemsworth running around, ripped jokes, strange humor, and then obviously links to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sound a little bit, Alistair, like the Deadpool of the Marvel Universe? Has it kind of got that vibe? I think to a degree. I mean, obviously, what, what initially what happened was they created the Avengers. They didn't quite know what to do with the character of Thor because he can appear one-dimensional. I mean, he's, you know, a thunder god that's, like, super good-looking, super powerful. You know, where's where's the kind of um, the weakness? Where's the catharsis? What, you know, what's, what do they do? So the first Thor was fairly successful was by Kenneth Branagh, but it was very... Um, traditionally made it was very true to sort of Norse mythology the sequel was a mess that's the dark world was really badly received and then three kind of recreated was a more comedic character and they had more fun with it and I think four somewhere in between so yeah I wouldn't say it's as wacky as Deadpool and definitely not as violent I mean it's also for kids but I do like things about Watiti because he does try to be creative even though I've just heard he might have got a bit of a head of himself with this one Okay, well, if you are a Marvel person and you want to Marvel, uh, then check out Thor 4, because I think that uh, well, will definitely be something that you can uh, uh, check out and have a look at. Now, a lot of people, Alistair, talking about Barry Ronger having died, over, I believe, over the weekend. Certainly a good friend of, of this community. Many listeners maybe will have encountered him when they were at Wits uh, at some point. He was a lecturer there, and of course... Certainly, I'd say late 90s, he was kind of the premier cultural critic in the country, really. Uh, what, what's your take on, on the legacy of Barry Ronger? I mean, I think it's a massive legacy. Um, obviously, as you say, he's, his career spanned multiple decades. He lectured, he reviewed films, he even lectured my dad, for example. I remember that. Um, and then he was on screenplay, which was probably where I was introduced to him as a kid. And sort of this guy that reviewed movies but reviewed them well we also know he wrote spit and polish the sunday times he wrote other columns i'll remember this i worked at look and listen a few years ago and if barry wrong has said something was available at look and listen people were there in their hordes on sunday even though it, he might have seen it once at look and listen it was just it was punting look and listen we didn't necessarily have it in stock so yeah i mean barry definitely um i think had a, had a big impact on how people perceive culture in the, in this country and he was somebody that was you know, prepared to read about things that went perhaps in his normal ambit. 
to give them a fair fair judging, you know, if it's something for someone that younger than him, you know, something racially different. Yeah, I think the point is Barry Rogan did his homework, and in terms of his writing, he was an excellent writer, I think pretty much free of error. You know, you never really heard from about typos and corrections from Barry Rogan, so... Yeah, it's yeah. A special and, 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 and as someone who's not not super, you know, uh, not super uh, cultural in the same way as you are, Alistair, someone who just sort of follows the stuff with an interest as opposed to a critic's interest. I, I always found that he was prepared to not only go highbrow. You know, he, he could do anything from a serious new film on, as you say, gender issues or racial issues or South Africa issues, or just do the Marvel universe, for example, and be quite happy with both of them. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's the point, that he, he watched everything, you know, when, when he reviewed movies, I remember that. He didn't um, necessarily always completely get the gist of everything he watched. I know this was quite funny, but I remember he spoke about aliens being in the Matrix, which was completely not the story. But the, the point is, he, he really tried his best to be relevant all the time, um, and he did his homework. And, and I think he was also someone who's prepared to take criticism himself for, you know, for how he read things. So, yeah, he, he will be missed, 74, very young, and apparently after a long illness. But, yeah, it, it, I think that it leaves a hole, you know, in our sort of cultural sphere in SN. And I suppose maybe the point is we haven't really had someone since him who's kind of taken that role, I would say, and really run with it yet. I think people are trying to find their way with this, you know, new media world, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very, very uh, key insight there, isn't it? Another another wronger like that because as you say anyone can be one these days and not all of them can be him so uh, that is a, a good point. Now talking of cinema, there's a bunch of new independent cinemas in SA. Talk to us about that. Yeah, so there there, there are all kinds of things popping up, you know, as as to Kinecon Metro kind of battle, you know, this economy they battled COVID, they battle like streaming, um, how people don't really want to go to cinemas anymore necessarily you know they're happy to watch at home people are now trying this idea of opening kind of independent cinemas so for example you've got the egg Rec cinema which is there in greenside which is really interesting it's quite beautiful inside and that they screen you know the latest blockbusters but also old classic films that's called egg Rec. it's e-g-r-e-k cinema that's in greenside joburg then there's the bioscope independent cinema which has been around for sure i think since about 2010 uh, started by a guy called Russell Grant, and it was initially in Mabining and it opened around the World Cup. And the whole thing was like how it was really independent cinema where, you know, they used like sort of secondhand seats inside, that traditional popcorn, and they showed like Oscar short films, all sorts of interesting ideas. That like Japanese noodle night, and then it moved to 44 Stanley, but it's it's doing well again now that we've kind of opened our economy. And then there's still even a theater in Hillbrock or the Hillbrock Theater. So these things are popping up. Um, and hopefully this will kind of, if, if nothing else, inspire at least people to become cinephiles, even if it's not necessarily going to get hordes of people into cinemas. You know, maybe it, maybe it encourages young people to kind of look at writing films, directing films, acting in films, you know, then end up they end up making something in Cape Town. They've got like a Hollywood production come and film with them. You know, I think that's how you build an industry. Absolutely. Very, very, uh, very, very interesting. And I do hope that there is uh, some extra space because, of course, it also creates extra place for South Africans to put in films and, and all of these sorts of things. Alistair, if people want to find out about the work that you're doing, your, your critical work, hear more about you, where, where can they do so? So so right now, um, a lot of my focus is on Property Flash. That's propertyflash.co.za. It's my 
a new company. We, we kind of built a comprehensive property news media site. And then I'll be popping up blogs and opinion pieces soon, which was at alice.anderson at blogspot.com. But I'll pop a lot of it through Property Flash. So, yeah. Well, check it out. Go. Yeah, absolutely. Go and you can check out. Uh, you can take some reviews in with uh, with any kind of property stuff that you might know know about. Alistair, thank you so much for joining us. Alistair Anderson, he is our cultural critic on 101.9 High FM. And I'm Benji Shulman, and this is the Newbie Review.